This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty. Our Wednesday edition of ESPN New York Tonight, along with Brian Mangia, the good vibes. We're here until midnight. Then it's Freddie and Fitzsimmons on 98.7 ESPN. So, thanks for stopping by on this Wednesday night. Before we uh, start the show, let me take this opportunity to congratulate and thank all our veterans on this Veterans Day for everything that you do for us. Having members in my family who have served, I had a great uncle who served in the in in um, the army. I had a brother, have a brother who served in the Marines. As a family member of those folks, we understand, and so we we thank you, we applaud your service, and uh, for the family members, we applaud the sacrifice that you made as well on this Veterans Day. We just want to take a moment to say thank you. Now. Let's go to work. We begin with the New York Knicks and all this conversation, all this talk. It was on the Michael K show today. All this conversation has been around. Barton Hahn have been talking about it. Our morning show has been talking about it. It's a, it's a big issue. And it's something that we have discussed on this show a lot. It's which is the best way to get to sustainable success. We talked a lot about that with Steve Cohen, right? And that's the one thing that he talked about. That's the one thing he mentioned in this press conference about he wants to have sustainable success with this team, with the Mets. And obviously, as Nick fans, you would love to have that too. It, some of you don't even remember what sustainable success was. You know what sustainable success was? I'll tell you. It was back in the 90s. It was when Pat Riley was here. It was with Ewing and the late Anthony Mason and Oakley and Starks and Doc Rivers and and uh, Greg Anthony and company. That's when they were in the postseason every single year. And man, have they, that is like the glory days. And they didn't even win the championship. But compared to what we have seen from this franchise over the past, what, five, ten years? That's the glory days. It's the glory days. The only thing we have that is kind is, is just reminiscent. It's not even close. It's, hey, we got to the postseason a couple of years with Mike Woodson and Carmelo and, you know, uh, Amari Stoudemire, who's now an assistant coach with the Nets. You know, Mr. Big Shot was here for a minute. And so we had that as Knicks fans. But that's far and few between. Now when we talk about the Knicks, we talk about, 15 wins, 17 wins, 21 wins. <laughs> and not even a sniff, not even a thought, not even a, a, a thought process about the postseason, right? I mean, <laughs> when the season started, we're talking about, boy, we could just get the number one pick. That's even worse than the Jets. Like, like people are talking about the Jets and, and fans are like, oh, man. Football in New York, we got a, a one team with two wins, another team with no wins. We're talking about next season already, and the season is half over. Huh. Try being a Nick fan. Where you know from the beginning you're not going to the postseason, you're talking about the draft next year or possible free agents. But all of a sudden, with Leon Rose and the new management crew, and Tom Thibodeau as well, now there's this conversation about possibly – other people wanting to come in. Possibly named players may be available. And once again, the Nick franchise is at a crossroads. Fans want to do 
let's build through the draft. Let's build through the draft. Let's get those young players in, and let's build through the draft. That's the way to do it. That's the way Golden State did it. That's the way we want to win championships. you got to build through the draft. And then there are some who are saying, you mean like the 76ers did? Where they were bad for four, five, six years and still haven't won a championship and now bringing in another coach in Doc Rivers hoping to get that going? Or is it the other side who say, oh, listen, I need to see some wins. I need to see something that's worth putting on the garden floor. I need to give me somebody. Give me give me a player. Give me somebody that's going to be able to to." Give me some competitive basketball to, to, to work with these young kids. Enter Jay Williams. He's part of our morning show here on 98.7 ESPN. You know, Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin, 6 to 9, Monday through Friday. He was on with Bart and Han. And remember, all this talk you've heard about Chris Paul, my wife Jeanette would love to see Chris Paul here. If Chris Paul comes to the Knicks, I'm going to have to, when they let people into the garden, I'm going to have to find a way to get her season tickets. She loves Chris Paul. So, obviously, Chris Paul's name has been mentioned. Even some talk, and you look in, in, the, in the papers, local media, Chris Paul to from Oklahoma City to come to the Knicks. They may want Kevin Knox. Knicks fans are like, I don't want Chris Paul. Did you say Kevin Knox? <laughs> Wait a minute, you said they want Kevin Knox? Huh. <laughs> and obviously, there's going to be some draft choices involved, right? And other players, because remember, the, the, the salaries have to match. So some of these guys who were just, that you were just like, oh, my God, can we get these guys out of here? We'll be out of here. And then we hear about Russell Westbrook or James Harden ready to leave Houston because they don't like the way that Houston is going, and they believe that it's going to be a rebuild, and neither one of them are in the, are in the mood for a rebuild. Well, those were just some of the things that Barton Hahn spoke to Jay Williams about. So let's begin first on the Chris Paul rumors. All right. Obviously, the talk about Chris Paul, there's been talk about him for months. We know the salary. We know how much he makes. It's a lot of money. And there's been an injury history with Chris Paul. Now, he played the full season in the shortened season when they returned. But is he the right person to bring to this team at this age, here's what Jay Williams told Barton Hahn on the Chris Paul rumors. I would assume that a, a year going back and forth with your family, uh, being at OKC, while you're going through a pandemic, while you're home in Grand LA, that has to be very sound, right? So, yes, I am trying to be as close to my family as possible. What I love the scenario, if it ended up being with Clippers, I, I think CP3 would enjoy that, considering that Doc is now with Philly. I uh, really coached a couple organizations, the T-Bomber, there's new ownership to set it down thoroughly. But if you, if you can't pull off, that doesn't make sense economically a trade value perspective for Stan Presti and company. If, the, if a viable option is to play with Devin Booker, and Alan, you know this about their facilities out there in Phoenix, man, they, they, they've revived people in their career. So I like Grant Hill, I remember him raving about that organization from a medical perspective and a training perspective, opened up a whole new facility. I think they got like you know, 20 plus million for a new facility. So if, if, if that is by default, that would happen, you're not mad about what Devin Booker and the Abbey is. Not where you would be, but I mean, Phoenix is not a bad place to live and to live today. All right. So you heard what he had to say about the Chris Paul rumors, right? Okay, so let's move to the second thing. 
Jay, what are the chances that Westbrook or Harden actually leave Houston? 13.5. You know, if you're James at 31 years old, and how long can your championship window stay open? And how long are you going to trust that in the hands of a first-year coach? And I know that Stephen Collins is a really good coach. I, I've heard incredible stories about him. But still, we all know this. Like Bart Allen, like that first year in the job, it takes a while to get your sea legs. So are you going to trust that? With a new GM and a, and a new first-year head coach at that stage of your career in the West, and I, I've been saying this for a while. Like from James Harden, I appreciate you then. I think everything I can do. We were very close multiple times, but I'm trying to get out to the East Coast because I see the East Coast and it's wide open. I'm watching the Miami team make the World Championship game. Like, and I know if I could partner up with somebody else. And 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 not have to go through that grind of Western Conference. Like my my chances are wide open. Interesting. How would James Harden fit? How would James Harden fit in Milwaukee? <laughs> how would he fit in Miami? Where would he go in the East? And Russell Westbrook. You know, there's also rumors of him going to L.A. to hang with uh, Kawhi and Paul George. Hmm. Which would be kind of being, that would be a big four, right? What do you think? 1-800-919-3776. What should the Knicks do? Should they continue on this path of let's build through the free agent, not to, let's, let's build through the draft, let's see what we have. We've got a new coach here and Tom Thibodeau. We've got better coaches. We believe that we can coach these guys up and develop them and they will be better. Or do they say, listen, let's go to the free agent route. Let's make a trade to get somebody in here. We need to be competitive because guess what? We've got a Brooklyn Nets team that people are saying could come out of the East. Stephen A. Smith said that Miami is talented enough to come out of the East, but they won't because the Nets will. Or is there a third solution? So I'm getting your thoughts about what the Knicks should do with all the trade rumors going around and all the possibilities and Chris Paul's name being mentioned and Russell Westbrook's name being mentioned and James Harden ready to move because the Houston crew want to be broken up. But before I get to the calls, here's another option they have, because I told you there was another option. And I believe the other option is, and you've heard me say it, is why can't the Knicks get a player like Van Fleet, Fred Van Fleet of Toronto, who's a free agent. Younger? Is he the primetime showstopper that Russell Westbrook is? No. He's also five years younger, at least four years, five, four or five years younger. Memory serves me correct. I know he's not 30. Russell Westbrook is 32. And he and Chris Paul are making a lot of money over the next two years. A lot. Why can't we, why can't the Knicks go with a Van Fleet? As I mentioned before, it would be kind of, you're looking to bring in free agents, right? Who are, are in the, looking for that first big contract. Not the, not the next big contract, but that first. They're coming out of their, first contract and they're ready to make some money. And so you bring 
that type of free agent in, where it's not the breaking your budget type of free agent, right? And you still have the young players that you're working with. You still continue to draft your players. And hopefully you've got a group of coaches that can develop these young players so that you can actually see what their potential is. Okay? Now, I'm sure right now that if we were to give, you know, if we would hook Tom Thibodeau up to the straps on the lie detector test, he would tell us what he actually really thinks about Kevin Knox and, you know, the French Prince and some of the drafts that the Knicks have right now, some of these players. So they already know from what they've seen, forget the video they've watched, but they've watched them work out. So they already know. And they have an idea on whether these players can be salvaged or whether they just have not been coached to their full potential. And if they haven't been coached to their full potential, or can you do something to make them serviceable? Or is it just better to just like, you know what, they're not going to be, let's get rid of them. They're not good. But I do think that happy medium is the way to go because I do understand. Not from the fan standpoint for a second, but from the Nick front office. Whereas the Nets should be very good this year. Kyrie and KD? (laughs) You need to have something on the floor that people are going to watch. And while I'm not ready to just say, let's forget the rebuilding and let's forget forget the, the draft guys and let's go heavy. Let's go heavy with the free agents. Let's let's just win this thing right now. We'll we'll, we'll catch the players up on the the rise. I'm also not ready to be tanking like the 76ers did for five, six years. I'm also not ready to do that either. I think there is a way that you can be competitive and still go through the draft and build your players to have sustainable success. And you add a piece or two at a time to work with your draft choices, and then that's where you go. Because the Knicks have not really drafted well and have not really taken advantage of the situations of the years where they've been so bad. And as callers have pointed out, you know, the NBA has not helped them either. I mean, you know, Zion could have been with the Knicks. (laughs) You know. The ping pong ball could have switched, <laughs> could have flipped up. You know, we see it all the time when you watch the lottery and the, and the win four. You know, two balls come up and, you know, you could have helped them out. That doesn't happen in the NBA. No. Okay. 1-800-919-3776. Spike, you're batting leadoff on ESPN New York tonight. Good evening, my friend. I did another cycle today with Gordon. Help to my friend Larry, man. I'm pretty tired, but I got to hear you and tell you, tell you what I think. All right, Spike, here we what's go. Happening? Here's the backcourt I want. It's very doable. Fred Van Fleet and Victor Oladipo. Okay. Two, two guys right below stardom, right below big money, right in their primes. Oladipo wants out of Indiana. He's uh, voiced that. And Van Fleet may be a tougher get. I don't want to pay no guy on the back end of his career big money. I don't need the wisdom of Chris Paul's going to wind up with the Clippers. Westbrook, I, I don't need that. I don't, wanna, I don't care about the season, but if you get these two guys, you got the money, you might have to give up a draft pick for Van Fleet. 
I don't know. Is Van Fleet in his walk? Because I think all he's the people a, and a free yeah, they made yeah, they made, and all the people uh, also um, uh, said he wants to get out of there. I must tell you something too, though. We mm-hmm. lost uh, Tommy Heinsohn today. Yes, yes. And and uh, Tommy Gunn Heinsohn uh, went to Holy Cross right after Bob Cousy. I know I'm dating myself. And he played with another guy named Togo Palazzi. Tommy Heinsohn was the biggest homer announcer I ever heard. <laughs> he, he, but it's okay. I'm saying yeah. that as yeah. a compliment. Yeah. I asked I asked a mutual friend Bill, and he said he interviewed him once, and he was a good guy, but he was all Celtics, and that's yeah. fine. I mean, that's the only team he knew. He's a Jersey kid, mm-hmm. Jersey kid. And uh, if they had a corner three when Tommy Heinsohn played, boy, he would have cashed in. He was a rugged guy. He, he lost his wife a few years ago. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to end the call on a positive note. Let's stay with the youngsters. I don't want to harden the Westbrook. It's, it's almost like a sideshow act with those guys. Yeah. Van Fleet and Oladipo have five to six to seven years in their prime left. I'd make a big push for them. Uh, I don't know if there'll be fans in the crowd. And the second wave, you know how I am with this. And uh, I'm only doing it for every all the listeners in earshot of you. Today was the biggest day of cases ever. And 1,210 people died again. So we're probably not going to have fans, which is going to take away. I think they froze the cap. So that's what I want. That's what I'd like to see. And I'd like to hear you. Did, did you see Tommy Heinsohn play at all? Did not, no. Okay. You saw him when he, he he wore those the hideous sport coats when he coached. Yes, I saw him as a coach. Yes, uh, yeah, I did. And, and, yeah, and uh, Spike, he broadcasted like he coached. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He was yelling yeah, he, and was, screaming, and 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 the Celtics made committed no fouls ever, ever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he's a he's a winning coach. Oh, absolutely, he was. Yeah, he was. Did you ever interview him? Did not. Did not. Okay, no. okay. Did anyway, not. we lost we lost uh, another guy, which is you know part of growing old, yeah, part of the system. So anyway, I'll leave you with this. That's what I want. I'd like to hear some of the regular callers comment on the combination of Old Depot and um, uh, the kids from Wichita State, Fred Van Fleet. I think mm-hmm. I think that's the right way to go. Then going for Harden, Harden and, and Westbrook. Well, they're not going for Harden. They're, they're not going for Harden. But the name uh, so, Westbrook has been the one that's been rumored. Westbrook yeah. and also Chris Paul have been the two. I don't think Harden is in that mix. I don't think Harden wants to come here. I really don't. Okay. All right, so so what are you going to do with Westbrook? Win five more games? I mean, it's not going to make this. It's just a sideshow to me. He's a great athlete. And I said to so I said to Andrew Gunling today, if you put them a 94 feet each with the ball, John Wall and Russell Westbrook, who would win the race to the next baseline? Mm-hmm. That, that, it's a that, tough that one. That would be good. That, that would be a good one. You know, yeah. remember, and you remember, uh, Spike, uh, Randy Smith was used to be from the Buffalo, Buffalo Braves. Braves. One of the fastest guys, and he, late and, 70s, and he, up and down the he, court. And he played with the Bob McAdoo. Yes, he did, and Ernie D. And Ernie D. Yeah, that team could move. They could score. Yeah, they couldn't play D, but no, they, they could score. Play D. No, yeah, no, no. So, they, they tell, just tell my nephew. Team. Tell my nephew to call me tomorrow. I'm worried about him. Okay, definitely so. I heard from him last night. He's okay. All right, Spike, thanks for checking in. You know, we here at 987 ESPN are thankful for the amazing men and women of the armed forces who have served our country and the incredible sacrifices they've made. Like Emil Flores from Passaic, New Jersey, in the U.S. Marine Corps. To Emil and all the men and women who have served and are still serving, 987 ESPN thanks you for defending our freedom. 
having an interesting conversation about the Knicks at 1-800-919-3776. You can also share your thoughts with me on Twitter at ESPN at ESPNNY98 underscore 7FM. Before I get back to the calls, here's the one concern I have. And I share Spike's enthusiasm about Van Fleet and Oladipo. I'm just a little concerned about Oladipo. He did not look the same as he returned last year from his injury. Now, maybe with some more time off and coming back and rehabbing with the full season this year, he will be closer to the Oladipo that we know. But in theory, I do like that type of backcourt. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the first the first guys coming into their free agency, okay, and not really where you have five, six years of prime basketball. That's what the Knicks have to do. And then you have these players who have some experience, right, and, and with Van Fleet, he's got championship experience, and how invaluable is that? Uh, here's a guy who has a ring. He's got hardware. He's got jewelry. And that's what you want. That's what you need for your young people, your young players to understand, to grow with. This is what it takes to win. These are the sacrifices. This is what you have to do. So, and plus, I, you know, now, is he, are these marquee names? Are these, you know, oh, I got I to gotta go to the garden because I'm going to say, maybe not. But it's the right way, in my opinion, to go, which is a marriage of the two. Because I, I'm, I'm not trying to win a championship this year, clearly. So I'm not trying to bring players in that I think is going to give me the opportunity to win the championship this year. But what I want to do is I want to bring some players in that I can build around and start, you know, that, that, that happening phrase in sports, a winning culture. John's in Freehold. Hey, John, you're next on 98.7. All right. John, How are we doing, Larry? Hey, John, what's happening? Nothing much. How are you, sir? I'm doing good, thank you. What's happening, my friend? You know, I love Spike's passion, but uh, I, I, got, I got a question to backcourt that he's looking at. You know, mm-hmm. we need to learn from our past mistakes, as they say, Larry, and if, if we've learned anything from the Carmelo Anthony trade is Russell Westbrook, Chris Paul, and James Carden can't be a part of the equation. You know, you look at the pair of, of uh, Westbrook and Harden, they play with, with elite talent, with a, with a really good head coach and a great front office, and they went nowhere there in OKC. Mm-hmm. And I went on record as telling you Sam Presti would have been my choice to bring into the New York Knicks organization because it doesn't matter what part of the draft they're selecting in, whether it's the middle of the first round, late in the first round, second round, they always find diamonds in the rough. He always makes shrewd trades and gets the most back in return. He's very smart and selective in free agency, and that's how you build your basketball team through all three facets uh, of those avenues. Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem I have with Spike's backcourt is twofold. Number one, Oladipo's coming off a pretty severe injury, and you're going to have to give the, the, the uh, Pacers a lot of compensation back to get him, and they don't have a lot of compensation. They don't have a lot of assets right now, and that's the problem. They don't have foundational pieces or a core in place right now that you're enhancing and building around. And they need to get there. And I think the, the wise way, the right way to do that, is to build that court through the draft first and develop these guys so when these other guys become available to enhance the roster and get you over the hump and get you to where you need to go as far as a championship team, you're in the proper position to do so. I don't think the Knicks are in a position right now to compromise their salary cap position nor whatever limited assets they have 
I mean, you're going to give your Porzingis assets that you acquired in that trade away, and you're going to trade people like uh, Mitchell Robinson and R.J. Barrett to get some veteran. Uh, R, you know, Van Fleet, you're going to have to overpay for him, number one. He's an undersized point guard who's not a great defender. And Tom Thibodeau, you know his staple is defense. And the greatest fear I have when I look at this picture from a broad scheme is Tom Thibodeau had Andrew Wiggins and he had uh, Carl Anthony Towns. And then he became impatient. And then he went out and got Taj Gibson. And he went out and brought in Luel Dang. And he made the trade for Jimmy Butler. And everything went, went uh, left on him. Everything blew up. And now look where they are. They got the number one pick overall in the draft this year now. Mm-hmm. You, you don't want to put yourself in that position. You want to be smart and selective in free agency. You want to keep your salary cap flexibility. And how about developing players, Larry? I want to, I want to highlight the coaching staff, what they did, and I think they did some good things. I don't want to throw Kevin Knox to the scrap heap right now. I think he's got potential. He's young. I just don't think he's been coached and developed properly. However, they brought a coach in from Kentucky that has a really, really good understanding of Kevin Knox. He was there with Kevin Knox when he was in Kentucky. Maybe he's the guy that's got the key to unlock his potential and and take him to the next level and develop him the right way and and get him to where he needs to go. So I don't want to throw him away. You look at the situation with Mike Woodson coming in. What did Mike Woodson do when he was with Detroit when they won the championship? He was a big part of getting Rip Hamilton back on track and making him, you know, a, a great player on a championship team and, and revitalize his uh, career after he was a failure in Washington with the Wizards. And the same with Chauncey Billups. Chauncey Billups bounced around from franchise to franchise until Mike Woodson, you know, had the key to unlock his potential and spent the right time. And what did he do here in New York, Mike Woodson, when he was the head coach? He made J.R. Smith, a guy, another guy that was bouncing around, that was considered a malcontent, had a bad attitude, had bad... Uh, work habits, and what did he do? He turned them into the sixth man of the year. So I think they've done some, and, and, then, and then you look at the situation with the draft, Larry. They brought the number one guy in from Utah that was ahead of their draft. Utah. I will draft. agree with Larry. you, John. I will agree with you, John, and thanks for the phone call. I will agree with you that the Knicks have done some really good things as far as their, as far as the the, the hierarchy and the management scouting and whatnot and coaches. I will agree with you there. I think they have. But when you look at Rip Hamilton, the example you gave, there's nobody on this team that's as good as Richard Hamilton, Rip Hamilton was. Not now. There's nobody on this team that could shoot like him. Nobody. And I like what you said, and it's true. Been covering the team at that time. You're absolutely right. What was they were able to do with um, you know, with with J.R. with, with J.R. Smith. It's true. What you said is true. Now, of course, they had a couple of hip kickups when he decided to tie somebody else's shoes and all that. <laughs> Jr. being Jr. But once again, these were guys who had talent who slipped. Okay, and and they were not in the right places. And when they came to where uh, Woodson was, they were able to improve and 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 find a way to get back on track. But the Knicks don't have anybody that if the if the Knicks had somebody like Chauncey Billups, we wouldn't be talking about Fred Van Fleet <laughs> or, or, or the Oladipo. They don't have them. So and you have to, while I understand what you're saying, you have to also look at it from the Knicks standpoint of they're 
they are impatient with the idea of having the possibility of another, you know, bad season. So while I'm not suggesting that they're going to run out and make these deals, and these are strictly rumors, and sometimes rumors are put out by the agents of the players, the Knicks may not have to make, Knicks may have no interest. I don't know. They may not. But I will admit it is, it's an interesting way and it's an option for them. And so for me, I'm saying that if I'm going to do something, if I'm going to make a move with this team, I would rather do the the way in the middle, which is give me a couple of free agents, mid, mid free agents, mid, and let me continue to build through the draft. I don't know that you're going to have the 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 confidence that these folks are still going to be able to draft the right players and do what they need to do to get them to make them, you know, competitive and coach them up right away. Because the one thing you the other thing you said, John, where you're a thousand percent right, you have Tom Thibodeau here. And personally, I don't think they brought Tom Thibodeau in to be to be part of a rebuild. They brought Tom Thibodeau in here to to give this team an identity, which is defense, and to give them, you know, to let people know that we're not just sitting back. We're making a move to get out of this this funk that we've been in. Bruce is in Flushing. Hey, Bruce, you're next on 98.7. Hey, Larry. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, Bruce. How are you? Okay. Uh, first, I want to thank my father, who was in World War II, for his service. Give a, a, Absolutely. A, a memory nod to, to that. Here, here. Uh, secondly, let's talk about the Knicks. In yes. Westbrook. First of all, I don't want Chris Paul. If this was five years ago, fine. But he's st- and with apologies to your wife, um, he's thirty-seven years old. The last few years has been injury-prone. I know this past season he was okay. But if I'm going to spend forty million dollars on a thirty-seven-year-old, no. So he's out. Mm-hmm. Westbrook, here's what I like about Westbrook. Now, first, I have to see what the deal is. Mm-hmm. I mean, Mitchell Robinson is untouchable. Mm-hmm. Now, if, if you can get Westbrook for Kerry Kittles and, and the number one and match up the salaries with, with some veterans, I, have, I don't have a problem doing that. And this is why I pick Westbrook. He's not perfect, obviously. Mm-hmm. Defensive shortcomings, obviously. But you brought in Leon Rose to change the culture of this team. And you, and you, and you, when you bring in Westbrook, you, here's what happens. Number one, there's somebody you can, you can watch every night when the Knicks play a game and be interested in. Number two, he's a guy who is not afraid to take the last shot of a game. Number three, there, he's a guy who other free agents would be interested in coming to the Knicks. Number four, if, if if somehow somebody gets injured on on a, on a on a playoff team or a contending team, if if you want to, you have the ability to trade Westbrook to that team and 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 and, and see what and, and and you have to decide. Well, is it worth keeping Westbrook, or if I trade him to a team like Golden State if they get a, a catastrophic injury, or the Boston Celtics? Well, let's see what I can get back with Westbrook. Right now, there's nobody on this team except maybe for Richard Robinson who he can get something. 
and and Mick Robinson won't get you waking up for, for for Westbrook. So by bringing in Westbrook, you're changing the, um, different things on his team: the ability to trade, the ability to attract free agents, and uh, the ability for the fans to actually enjoy watching their basketball game. It's and from. A managerial standpoint, Bruce, uh, I would think that that is, you know, and from Jim Dolan and those folks, that's that's a concern. And that that's part of the priority is, and once again, and you, you make a great point, and thanks for the phone call, is that, you know, it's got to be what are you giving up, okay? You, you don't want to give up many of your assets, but obviously one of the reasons why the Knicks are prominently mentioned in trade is because they have some first-round picks, okay? And those are assets. So you can't just throw them away, all right? You have to use those assets wisely. And now, and I understand that every, that every, draft per, every person you pick for the draft is not going to be a superstar, is not going to be, a, may not even be a good role player. So they're really just assets, they're availability. But that is the thinking of what a Russell Westbrook would bring as far as having the team entertaining. Does it mean, what does he give you? 30 wins, 32 wins? Maybe. Maybe he does. Maybe so. But that would be, what, 9, 10, 11 more wins than you had? And then you're able to build around, possibly? I'm sure that's what the Nick front office would be interested in if indeed they were to make that move. And once again, I'm not saying they should make that move, but if they were, that's from that line of thinking, Bruce is on the wave line, wavelength of what the Nick front office would be considering. That's what they're thinking if they're thinking of bringing in Russell Westbrook. They're thinking of let's have something that people will be interested in and watch. Otherwise, it's never gonna be, nobody's going to be watching Allen and Wally. I mentioned that Jay Williams was on Bart and Han today. And they were talking about the Chris Paul rumors and, you know, Russell Westbrook possibly coming to the Knicks and whatnot. But, uh, you know, and the chances that Westbrook and Harden would leave Houston. But Jay Williams also talked about how the Knicks could be a perfect third team in a Houston trade. If I'm Houston, I'm trying to get as many assets and future picks as possible. Right, and also from Houston and Allen, tell me if I'm wrong here. I'm trying to give, you know, the reason why I think the Knicks make an intriguing third team trade is that they have a lot of a lot of players with expiring contracts. So if you're Houston, if you're trying to maybe potentially do a trade with, you know, Philadelphia for Ben Simmons and trying to deal Russell Westbrook to the Knicks for trades and, you know, assets that are coming off your books and you can surround, you got money to go into the free, into the market to get, you know, free agents in 2021 surrounding with, you know, with Ben Simmons if you're able to pull that off. Like, that, that seems like a pretty viable position in the marketplace to take. So, once again, uh, the Knicks have some options to what they need to do. Draft or make a deal because these players, as Jay will mention, a number of them, other than Julius Randle, are the one-year deals. Okay, so you could... And they're getting paid, you know, millions of dollars. And so you could maneuver them and put them in position to possibly get some folks and then move on. So it, it's 
it's an interesting thing. It's nice. Isn't it nice that the Knicks have some options? I mean, I still believe, I don't want them to turn their back on their young players. I believe they need to build through the draft. But I will admit to you, uh, you're not seeing dynamic, immediate impact players coming out of the Knicks drafts. And the one you could say would have been was Christos Porzingis, who couldn't stay healthy. And so, you know, he he would have been obviously a difference maker. You see what he was able to do down in uh, down in Dallas, but even there, as the number two guy, he's not even Batman. He's Robin there, and he's missing games, not even having to carry the load as the number one option, number two option. One eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. Jacob is in Far Rockaway. Hey, Jacob, you're next on ninety eight seven. Hi, Larry. Hey, Jacob, what's up? I was wondering if you think that since the draft class is not so good this year, maybe the Knicks should trade back their pick. Uh, Jacob, it, it depends on uh, it, who they decide they want. And they've had a number of folks that they've liked to see at point guard. Uh, I don't think, even though at eighth, and thanks for the phone call, obviously I, I still don't believe, even though all the reports are that LaMelo Ball is dropping, he's not dropping to eight. So there are a number of other options that the Knicks have. It will be interesting to see once they view who they have, who they want, if that person is still available, they could still make that move. Remember, they have two picks uh, in the first, a high one and a low one, and then the second round pick. So they're in pretty good shape that way. But, you know, from what I've been reading and hearing, I believe that they will, that obviously they have that option, you know, to do that. But I think they have several players available on their radar that they want to take with that uh, number eight pick. Jason's in Brooklyn. Hey, Jason, you're next on 98.7. Hey, Steve. Hey, man, I just want my child, who's 15 years old, who goes to St. Peter's, high school out in Jersey to be able to see a New York team be successful in his young years. And the reason why I say that is because I feel that a lot of these dictators, AKA guessers are always trying to be the next person to have the best one up, you know, and I love Jason Williams. And I love the fact that he and Jalen and, you know, those who are able to spit out the true avenues of life um, on their shows and stuff like that. But I'm just tired of everybody just being copycat. And I think that the New York Knicks need to go ahead and look at what they need. They have Mitchell Robinson, who's a young and, – and by the way, I'm a uh, Spurs fan. Mm-hmm. They have Mitchell Robinson. I think they have the kid Tyree, who was a good guard. And they have other cover role players, like the, the kid that they acquired from the New Orleans uh, Pelicans, Randolph. I'm mm-hmm. Not Randolph, but uh, – uh, Julius Randolph. Randolph. But mm-hmm. make a long story short, man, I think that teams need to go for what they need instead of trying to be the next Golden State Warriors, instead mm-hmm. of trying to be the next Kansas City Chiefs. Just mm-hmm. go for what you need to implement it into your system and be the best team that you can. That's my time, man. You be blessed on purpose. Have a great night. And All thanks. right, Jason. Thanks, thanks for the call. I agree with you, but sports is a copycat business. And people believe, and owners and GMs believe, that 
if Golden State can do it and have sustainable success, and they had like, what, three championships during their run and have the good chance of going back, you know, with, uh, you know, with, with, with uh, some of those guys returning healthy, that that's the way you do. That That's the success. That's how the game is won now. So while you're right, I think, it, Jason, it's the perfect mixture of the two. I think they can provide a blueprint for you on what can be successful, and you have to adapt it to your particular situation. When you look at Kansas City, and that's a great point that you bring up, you look at, and this takes nothing away from how great Patrick Mahomes is. Patrick Mahomes is outstanding. Tremendous talent. You see the throws he makes. You see how he improvises. He'll throw with his left hand short if he needs to get rid of the ball to to not take a loss or to advance the play or he sees things. He makes great throws. He makes really good decisions most of the time. But what allows him to have that confidence and freedom is because he's surrounded by a lot of talent. Okay? A lot of talent. Golden State, surrounded by a lot of talent. And they added talent when they brought in Kevin Durant. That made them even better. Took them up a notch. And so it is the combination of great talent, players who know their roles, who understand they may not be the guys in basketball that are going to get 12, 15 shots a night. They may be the players on the team that get maybe six or seven shots a night off the rebound. (laughs) There are some guys who are not even going to shoot, but all they do is rebound and play defense. And you have to have a coaching staff that understands and makes the adjustment to whatever their philosophy is on how to play the game that you adapt your philosophy to the talent you have and not the other way around. And these are the things that make these teams successful. It's, it's, it's the little things also, but it's teams that understand what it takes to win and developing young players and looking at uh, st- hidden gems in the draft. That people are like, oh, look at this player, look at this player, and then it's it's this player that nobody saw or somebody walks on, right, on your team as an undrafted free agent. And like, wow, this guy can shoot. How, nobody knew this guy could shoot like that? How, what's going on? How, how did that happen? That's where you get really good, right? That's where you turn things around. That's what makes great teams great because it's depth, and it's everybody pulling in the same direction. And, you know, the Knicks have not had that. The other thing the Knicks have not had, and maybe they'll get it this time, only time will tell, but the other thing the Knicks have not had very simply is, you know, consistency as far as coaching is concerned. So what type of player are you looking for to fit what system when the system changes every two, three years? Listen, Jason's a San Antonio fan. We know what system Greg Popovich is running. He's run it for over a decade. You know what's happening down there. You know. It's real clear. (laughs) It's real clear. They know what they're doing. They have an identity. They have a culture. And so the Knicks have not had that type of success. They've not been able to do that because of the fact that they've had so many coaching changes which is because the players have not performed. 
So these are the issues that the Knicks have, and hopefully they'll make the right decision now with this new hierarchy. Hopefully, if, as a Knicks fan, you have some choices, right? The first hour of the show, we focused on the New York Knicks. We focused on what are some of the things they should do, especially with uh, all these various names of players being bantied around as possible options for the blue and orange, that they could, uh, you know, be a little better, be a, more, a bit more competitive than they've been in the past couple of years. This hour, I want to turn our attention to the New York Giants, and they're facing the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday. This is, <laughs> I know it's going to sound crazy. This is close to a really, really important game. I'm not going to say must win because it's not a game seven or it's not a, you know, win or go home situation. Because it, to be honest, I mean, let's be fair. Even if the Giants lose, they still got a shot. <laughs> With the way the NFC East looks, still got a shot. But I want to know from you, what are the things you're confident about? What has surprised you about this Giants team so far? And I don't want to look at the record right now. Move the record aside. Has it been Joe Judge that has surprised you? I mean, you had no idea what to expect from him. He's never been in a head coaching position before. He really hasn't been at the pro level in a coordinator's position. Special teams. And you could see with a couple of plays that he's put out there, his influence on special teams. And he's really, really good at it. So is it, is it Joe Judge and what he's brought to the table? And once again, I'm not looking at the wins per se which is weird because when we're talking about sports and we're talking about this, this which is a clearly a win business, it's a win-loss business. It's a, it's, a, it's a business of success. That's what that's what determines whether you keep your job or not. But for the first year with what he had to work with, with all the conditions, how are you feeling about Joe Judge right now? Is he a surprise to you? Is it the way the defense has played especially over the past month. I think the defense has been tremendous for them. They've been getting off the field. They've, they haven't given up the really, really chunk plays. And they've been very competitive. So I want to know how you feel about this Giants team. Two things. What's been the biggest surprise? And can they beat the Eagles on Sunday? 1-800-919-3776. We'll take your calls. But first... Now, here is the top news stories of the day with Larry Hardesty. And we begin with baseball. DJ LeMayhew is the New York Yankees' top priority. There's absolutely no question about that. And I think when you've got the skills that he does, when you've got the performance that he does, when you've got the versatility that he does, he's the kind of guy who can go out into the market and get multiple multi-year offers from teams that are willing to pay $20-plus million a year. I think when it's all said and done, we're probably talking a four-year deal, maybe if the bidding gets hot and heavy, five years. 
at 20 plus. But but to me, I, I think Kylie McDaniel, uh, who's our, our great prospects writer and scout at ESPN, nailed it. Uh, he said four years, $88 million. And I think he's going to be uh, within 10% at most of where DJ LeMahieu winds up. That's interesting. That was Jeff Passan who appeared on the Michael K show. And as we told you last night, DJ didn't accept the qualifying offer. So now the Yankees still have the opportunity to bring him back. They'll get a compensation in the form of a draft pick if he signs with another team. But Jeff also weighed in on will DJ be back with the Yankees? So does DJ expect, does uh, Jeff Passan expect the Yankees to trade for Francisco Lindor because his name's been mentioned in trade rumors? Let's put it this way. I do not think Lindor to the Yankees is going to happen. Do you think they want him or they just won't part with what the Indians want? I think anybody would like to have Francisco Lindor. It's just a question of what the price is. And I think the price is going to be high enough where going after him just doesn't make as much sense for the Yankees, especially when you look at what the Yankees' strength is, right? Like, the thing that the Yankees have over just about everybody in baseball, maybe the Dodgers, the the Mets, the Red Sox, the Cubs, you know, there are a few teams that can play in this ballpark, is money. And there are going to be more expensive shortstops on the market next offseason than there are teams to get them. It's not just Lindor who's going to be a free agent after 21. It's Lindor. It's Trevor Story. It's Carlos Correa. It's Javier Baez. It's Corey Seager. Those are five all-star caliber MVP vote-getting shortstops right there. That's interesting. So it sounds like maybe it's better for the Yankees to wait and sign Lindor as a free agent unless they think Cleveland's going to play Let's Make a Deal with somebody this season. Hmm, Maybe the Mets. Speaking of the Mets, remember our Buster only appeared on Carlin a few days ago, responding to a question that he was surprised the Amazons offered Marcus Stroman an $18.9 million qualifying offer? A hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> they were shocked. For someone who didn't pitch at all in 2020, uh, you know, who is generally viewed, it's interesting when you, you talk to evaluators, they kind of view Marcus as being like a number three, number four type starter. Those type of guys, especially this winter, are not going to be making $18.9 million, which is what the qualifying offer was. But as they say, this, to me, is like the first manifestation of Steve Cohen's money, where he can make, look at a decision like that, unlike the Wilpons, and go, sure, go ahead, give him the qualifying <laughs> offer. If he stays, we get you know a, a good pitcher to round out our rotation on a one-year deal, and if he turns us down, we get a draft pick. That's not something the Wilpons would have done. No, there's no question about that, Buster. Well, as you know, Stroman has accepted the team's offer. We'll be the number two starter, well, at least until Noah Syndergaard returns. Even, hey, guess what? Even the owner texted Stroman and said, welcome back. How nice is that? Jeff Passon on Stroman returning to the Mets. Did Stroman take it because he knew that money wasn't out there, or did he all of a sudden fall in love with Steve Cohen because of that great performance yesterday? I think if there were a a deal that Marcus Stroman saw as representative for, for what he believes he's worth long-term, he would have turned down the qualifying offer. And, and I think this speaks to two things, Michael. Number one, a year at $19 bucks in this market is a pretty good outcome. And that ties into the second part. Free agency is going to be a bloodbath this offseason. 
there are going to be like five guys who get paid and the rest are just going to be left sitting there not scraping for jobs. You know, Liam Hendricks is going to be fine. Nelson Cruz is going to be fine. Tanaka is going to get paid. But, but then we get to like Justin Turner and Tommy LaStella and the relievers, even a guy. Uh, so I'm going to go to a guy like Charlie Morton. What do you think the Yankees or the Mets, both of whom I think can, should, and will be in on Charlie Morton, pay him? A lot of money <laughs> because he's been big in big moments in the postseason. Turning to football, the Jets claimed Corey Ballantyne off waivers today just a day after the Giants cut their 2019 six-round pick. Jets, as you noticed, desperate for help in their secondary with injuries. They gave up play after play Monday night to Cam Newton and the Patriots. Ballantyne, as I mentioned to you, started the first two games of the season for Big Blue before he was benched. Did not play a defensive snap in five of the last six games. Hopefully, between this and the bye week, he can catch up with the Jets' playbook. You know, Bart Scott had an interesting comment on our morning show, Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin, this morning. Listen to this prediction he has for Giants fans. When you start reflecting on some of the greatest decisions that you ever made, that's when I think you're, you're getting ready to leave. And you, th you think about Josh McDaniels. A couple of years ago, he had an opportunity to go to Indianapolis and to be the head coach. All of a sudden, he reversed field, came back to the Patriots, and all of a sudden, Bill Belichick says, I'm going to give you my world. First of all, of course, I would have out Josh McDaniels. What the hell have you been giving me since I've been here all this time? I think he's going to give Josh McDaniels his world pretty soon. I just think the world is going to be on fire without a franchise quarterback because it's the perfect time for Bill Belichick to ride off into the sunset. And he's always, always loved the Giants. He's got a soft spot for the Giants. I can see Bill Belichick coming and pulling the Phil Jackson and being the general manager for the New York football Giants. Wow. Can you imagine that? Belichick returns to the beginning, full circle, as general manager. That's Bart Scott. That's the type of commentary you hear with him and Alan Hahn Monday through Fridays from 11 to 1 here on 98.7 ESPN. Thank you, Brian. That's top stories for today. Back to the phones. We go with Trey in Texas. Hey, Trey. How are you? What's going on, Larry? Spike said call him. I'm calling him in the morning. He had not done the Uncle Spike, we good. We yeah, watched very concerned. Very concerned. I heard it. I heard it in his voice, and I don't like to hear that, so I'm going to call him in the morning when I'm walking the dog. No. All right, good. Excellent. Excellent. Everything good. Um, I want to first, real quick, say, you know, I know it's getting late, so I want to say um, happy happy Veterans Day to my, to my father, and I want to thank every man and woman out there for their service. My man Marvin up there in the BX, mm -hmm. you know, thank him. You know, say all, all the guys that call the show that have uh, relatives, friends and family in the, in the in the military, all branches, you know, this is their day. So you got to give them their flowers. Man. You know, Absolutely. It's, 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 these, these men and women are, they, they're the real, they're the real superstars, man. You know what I'm saying? They, you know, we watch sports and everything, but they're the real superstars, man, because they, yeah. they, they look it in the face and they keep going forward. So no we want to appreciate them today. Did you, did you have a chance to speak with Sarge this morning? I, I, I talked to Sarge tonight. Okay, good. I thought the Sarge tonight. Yeah, he's he's loving what the Mets are doing. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's you know, it's Cowboys. You know, he, <laughs> you know, we always laugh about this guy. But you know, other than that, man, he's he's, he's excited about what's going to happen with the Knicks, man. You know mm -hmm. that I wanted to talk about that tonight with uh, young Killian Hayes. He seems to be gaining a lot of traction in the organization, mm -hmm. uh, and it, by a lot of mocks, it looks like he's going to be the pick. Mm -hmm. uh, so let's let's talk about him real quick if we could. Um, 
he's going to put you in the mind frame of a D'Angelo Russell. Mm-hmm. Um, the league that he played in is probably why he dropped to eight to the Knicks because I'm looking at the other guys around him more. I looked at his, his positive side and his and his and his uh his weaknesses too, Larry. I didn't just yeah. look at the highlights. Mm-hmm. So just looking at the looking at the other guys around him, they play really slow in this league. They Where sure do. Everybody, everybody is slow. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. You know, you remember the character Set Shot Buford from the Fish that they said? Yes, I do. <laughs> Set Shot Buford would, would be Seth Curry in the league over there. Like, everybody is so slow. Everybody is so And I know Richard knows who I'm talking about. Richard from Manhattan knows oh, Set Shot God. If you have it, if you, you got to go rid that movie. You got to go rid that movie. That movie is hilarious. It is Larry, hilarious. Larry, I'm, I'm I'm sitting in my office right now. The fact that I have a 27 by 41 poster of fish that say Pittsburgh is in, I should not have that on my wall, no. But no, I, no, that tells you just how much of a Dr. J fan you are. Oh, <laughs> Moses Guthrie, baby, Moses Guthrie. Talk about Larry. We ain't got no time. We getting off. Here we go. All right, back to Killian. <laughs> um, his passing is 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 elite. Yes, it is. Okay, his passing is elite. He's going to be a really good shooter if he works on it. Killian Hayes is a really a lump of clay, Larry. He's really going to come down to coaching how good he can be. He, he can be an MVP caliber player. He's 19, he's 6'5", he can shoot, he can shoot free throws. His mid-range game is solid to yeah. be 19 years old. So what I'm saying is if the Knicks are going to take this kid and then, you know, I'm not worried about all that other stuff and all those other old guys in the retreads. But if they take this kid and they take this 19-year-old lump of clay and they make him into a player, Larry, he could be an all-star. That's Trey, what I'm let me ask you this. And, uh-huh. and let me ask you this now. You, I've, seen, I've seen a couple of videos of him. Okay. His crossover looks slow to me. Is it me? No, you, you know what? I think, again, I think that's coaching. It is slow. But I, I mean, can see it being stripped you, and going but, down the other way. <laughs> Larry, when you got Jimmy Butler in your face, do you think you're going to be able to rock that thing slow? No. Nope. Might want to speed it up a little bit. And they're going to let him know. And you know what? I think that as he plays along in the league, mm-hmm. I think he'll see that. And I think I think you'll have an R.J. Barrett that's going to be like, yo, man, that, that ain't going to work here. Yeah. You're going to have to yep. speed that up, bro. Like, yeah. Yeah, I tried that too. And they, yeah. was eating my, they was eating me for lunch. It, it it's so think, crazy, Trey. That and I'll let you finish your your preview, uh-huh. your scouting Go report. Ahead. It's so crazy, but he is. When you say they're slow, he's playing to their level. I he's agree. playing to their tempo, and he needs to hopefully, you know, in the workouts and whatnot. When he's had workouts with teams, hopefully he has sped it up because he needs to speed it up because that tempo that they play in that league is not getting it done Ooh. over here. Larry, me, you, me, you, Uncle Spike, Bruce from Flushing, and Buddha could go over there, and we're going to get about seventeen a game. That's not even the question. Easy. They, oh, <laughs> they are so slow. I, you know, it, it, it caught me off guard how slow they really are over there in that yeah. French league, man. Yeah. So I wonder, you know, I would love to hear from like a friend for Schiller, like what, where would you grade the league that he was playing in, and is that the reason that he dropped that that he's dropping? Not not so far because I had him at six seven, but then mm-hmm. going to eight to us is you know I'm I'm starting to warm to it. You know I think yeah. he's a really, I think he's gonna be a really good player. He's left hand dominant, really bad. Yeah, everything is. is left. Everything and I mean, is left. You talk, yeah, to have somebody like R.J. Barrett already on the team, and and then to bring another guy that is he's 
so, oh my God. Larry, we was in the park with that kid. Oh, I'm sitting on the other side. I'm going to make you, I'm going to make you beat me with your right hand. You have to go right-handed. And, li- and listen, yeah, you- maybe, maybe the Nick coaches will make R.J. Barrett shoot with his right hand. He said he didn't know when he was lefty or righty. Yeah, God, maybe- man, the boy didn't even know he was right-handed. Ain't that something? Oh, Larry, that, that's so Nixie of us, isn't it? <laughs> the boy don't even know that he's I really right-handed. Personally. Uh, I, I blame Krzyzewski personally. I blame Krzyzewski. He should have known. He should have handled this at Duke. Like I said, Larry, it's coaching. <laughs> what it's going to come down to, with if you draft that kid Killian Hayes, it's going to come down to coaching him up. He's mm-hmm. a lump of clay. He's ready to go. And he looks like he's teachable. Yeah. So, you know, those are things that in a young player that's 19 years old, you want him to be teachable and coachable, and you want him to be and to understand, like, look, that won't work here. So we got to have somebody that comes in and shows this kid how to be a basketball player. Because right now it's just a lump of clay, man, running up and down the floor. He can pass. Mm-hmm. He passes his teammates open. You know what I'm saying? He's going to love playing with Mitchell Robinson. Oh, yeah. You see what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Because oh, Mitchell yeah. Robinson can get to the basket. And if you can get to the basket, I can also see this kid leading all rookies in assists. Because, yeah. hell, he shoots what? What does uh, Mitchell Robinson shoot from the floor? Like 70%? Yeah, absolutely. Everything's at the basket. Everything's this kid is going to be a good basketball player wherever he goes. If we do happen to draft him, I like his length. He's 6'5". He's 19, so he's not done growing. And his his jumper his, his jumper mechanics are pretty. Yeah, he's got good form, good footwork. I want to see him get that ball up faster, though. Get some booms in his face. Get the ball push up the faster. Ball a bit. He's playing to that tempo, and the, you know he's playing to the tempo. The other thing that was curious to me was Trey in the in the video I saw. He got caught in some pick and rolls. Yeah, yeah. And so that's on, another thing. And cut, yeah, on in cut. He too, got yeah. caught. Yeah. His, he's going to have to work that coaching, Larry. That's yeah, it. Yeah, you're right. There's no question. Coach him up, man. And, I mean, get some real guards in there that, that are big guards that, that maybe played for Thibodeau before. And I'm not talking about the play on the team. I'm mm-hmm. talking about to come in as advisors and coaches, man. Get yeah. some guys in there to coach him up. And I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm stupid, Larry, right? We're dumb. Mm-hmm. There's a guy who is blatantly sitting on the sideline with really weird suits on for the last 30 years. Uh-huh. And nobody has bothered to ask this man named Walt Clyde Frazier uh-huh. how to win a God-blessed championship as a point guard in this city. It's unbelievable. It's, it, it's mind-boggling to me how somebody with suits that loud who sticks out in the crowd <laughs> and all the point guards that have come here and failed have never went over there and said, Clyde, what was it like? To win a chip here, unbelievable. Two, so we'll see. Two, he got we'll two. see, Larry. And and and, this, and guess what? You could talk to him, and then if we really want to get somebody on the court, listen. Try defending Allen Houston. Come on, with the man. jumper. Try try That's right. try try defend and, and do what they know how to do that and play him off the dribble and work around with him. You know, that's that's what you need to have. You need to work with the people that you have. They, they don't need Absolutely. to be sitting there on the side watching players, man. They just don't sit there Let. looking at players and you need to make the you need to use the folks that you got there. You have other teams use their historic their players who have had some success. You guys you mentioned yes, you got do. Clyde with a with a pair of rings. You got Allen Houston who was at who was a part of, even though he was at the tail end of, but he was a part of he's been to the finals. Okay, he's been yes, to the last has. finals this franchise went to. That's right. Okay? That's and, right. And he was at the tail end, so he knows about what it was winning, like winning in the 90s. He was at the tail end of that. 
So, you know, these Larry, are the folks it, that you need to, to talk to. It's a it's a it's a want to thing, Larry. The man is sitting right there with headphones on. You know, Alan Houston sitting in front row. You know what I'm saying? It, it it is imperative that, you know, we we get a good a good mix of veteran leadership on this team. It's not gonna happen overnight, but hopefully we like I said, we I'm like John from Freehold, man. Mm-hmm. We got the people in place now, put their butts to work, put their feet to the fire. This is this is y'all job now. So is y'all if Killian Hayes is a bust, just like uh, how Gage is messing up Donald, it's y'all mm-hmm. fault. That's right. That's y'all fault if y'all mess up the clay. If y'all can't yeah. get that clay looking like like Demi Moore and Patrick Swayze was in Ghost, then y'all gonna mess it up. Yeah. You see no what question. I'm saying? So no so question. get it together, man. This is all on Leon Rose and them now, man. There's a lot of lumps of clay. These kids are really good. This draft isn't deep. This draft yeah. is top heavy. So mm-hmm. after 10, 11, man, there's gonna be some people you don't know. But it's imperative on the scouting department. If Killian Hayes is the pick, then you better coach this kid up, man. He's a lump of clay. He looks a little soft to me, and he's going to have to toughen up because these jerseys are heavy. And right now, he ain't ready to wear this jersey. This jersey is heavy, Larry. You know that. Alan Hunt, we've been saying it for years. These jerseys are heavy, and I don't know if he's ready yet. But if you coach him up, they can make the necessary adjustments to make this kid an NBA player. I'm predicting that this kid will be an all-star, Larry. I think he's that good. No question about it. So who, who who are we looking at tomorrow night? I'm very curious. Tomorrow night we're going to do Obi Toppin. I mean, we did him before. It's quick, yeah, man. Yeah, I see yeah. a lot of Amari Stoudemire. But I oh. want to. But he's going to be slow. But he's going to be around that six, seven, eight. He's going to be around that way. I'm telling mm-hmm. you, he's dropping. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Oh, and really quick, Lamelo worked out for the uh, Timberwolves. I heard that. Yeah. I heard that. Talking about dropping, he's dropping. I don't know why he worked out for the Timberwolves. He might be going to Charlotte. Yeah, you're right. You might be right. You're right. All right, my friend. We'll talk tomorrow. Yes, sir. Can't wait. All righty. Sound like Bart Scott. This is ESPN New York Tonight.